0: Welcome to the One Link Podcast. I am Brad, and I'm joined, as always, by James. How are you doing, James?
1: I'm doing great today, Brad. Hey, I'm really excited to jump back in on our, uh, continue our talk with Jack, continue to talk about Tibetan Buddhism and what it's like to work with uh, people who follow Tibetan Buddhism. So, let's jump back into that interview. How often are people coming to faith, I guess, how are they responding? And then when someone comes to faith how does how, do, how are they reacted against are they persecuted what forms
2: very slowly coming to faith very very slowly so yeah there's not been huge groups like they come in ones and twos and small family groups and so but steadily and and faithfully god has been working and And there is a small community and there are faithful believers who have been believers for 25 years and faithful believers who've been believers for 20 years and 15 years and so that's encouraging but yeah but it is a slow slow journey and we are praying for that day when there is major breakthrough and and transition depending on how it's handled so i think early on and this is a good maybe lesson for college students think early on when we were there we would find a friend find a person and kind of isolate them or you know not 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 intentionally but we would invite them to to a meal with us and then we would share the gospel with them but in that the gospel was being shared with one person and not in their larger community of friends or in their family and so at some point, we made a transition where we wanted, the, the our goal was to make the gospel an open conversation in the entire family. And so, because what was happening is one person would say, I want to follow Jesus. And then quickly, their family would say, that's not who we are. We're Buddhists. You can't do that. If you want to be a part of this family and family is hugely important for all kinds of advantages in their future and all those things. If they want to stay in the family, they have to go back and be Buddhist. We had lots of people who would say, I want to follow Jesus. And then, you know, the cares of the world and all those things would would destroy that in their lives. And they would go back and say, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Buddhist, primarily because the family pressure. So, but we found that when when we shared the gospel in the larger community and made it a group conversation and everybody knew about it, even if only one person accepted Christ out of the family, maybe it was the college student who came to faith. We had shared the gospel with mom and dad and brother and sister and everybody else that they were more accepting of this person's decision to follow Jesus and did not then ostracize them or kick them out of the family. They said, Oh, we understand the journey you've been on. We heard the gospel when you heard the gospel, and we're going to let this happen. We're going to be okay with it and still accept you. And And oftentimes that has led to the whole family coming to faith. Like when the gospel is shared with not just the wife, but the husband and wife and grandma and daughter and son Well now everybody is a believer you know and mm-hmm. grandma comes to faith and even before in and we have our first christian funeral cuz grandma's now passed away in that family and we had to figure out what what do we do with a funeral now because they have all kinds of different funeral practices anyway all those cultural things you have to walk with people through but making the gospel a group conversation so even for college students if you're going on campus for the summer and you're primarily interacting with college students i would say Find the the door, at least in our culture, dorm rooms have six or eight students living in a dorm room. Like if there's a group of students, if there's a class of students, maybe they all study together. They're all the same major. They're all the same thing. Like work with the group as much as you can. Try not to isolate just one person. I know those one-on-one conversations are often more comfortable or easier to manage or or that you feel like you can go deeper in those conversations. And sometimes that's true. And that's the only option. Don't, don't pass on that option. But if you can get three people together that live in the same dorm room, or if you can get eight people together that are all in the English language department, you know, and you can share the gospel with the group and make it a group conversation. I think there will be an advantage there that if they come to faith as a group, they will stand stronger as a group. They they will go to church more quickly as a group. All those things get us down the road of the kingdom coming um, among them faster. So I would say group evangelism over individual evangelism is often a better strategy for them.
1: That's really good advice. What about, how does Buddhism relate to women? Like the three of us are guys. We tend to have a lot of guys on the podcast. Mm -hmm. How is, I don't know if I can ask the question more succinctly. I guess we talked about beggars earlier, like, beggars are treated worse probably there than other because of of this worldview. How does it affect females, women?
2: I don't know that Buddhism affects the culture's view of women. I think my take on it would be that there's just a, a general cultural hierarchy that men are more important than women. Yeah. And I, I hesitate to speak to, to say too much. My wife could probably answer this question better than I can she interacts with a lot of women and has their perspective on things a lot better I I wish she could answer this for us but but there's also I, I say like so a couple of practical examples I'll just give you these examples and you can extrapolate whatever principles you want out of this for the larger culture but like we have a friend who came to faith she's a believer her husband is not a believer but has mistreated her has abused her has has destroyed Bibles that we've given her has just years and years and years of abuse. And yet her Christian faith has continued to call her to, to love him and to serve him and to faithfully stay with him and not divorce him. And that's been um, just a real point of, of suffering for her, but, but now 25 years on, he has softened and has, participated in Christian activities like Bible studies and worship times has come and observed has not yet accepted Christ but is allowing his wife to practice her faith in the home and, and no longer has idols in their home and all these things so he is, he is changing and her faithful witness has really affected him but he is very much like this is my house I'm the boss kind of attitude, but culturally, this is a weird thing so half of, not half exactly, but a portion of our culture traditionally were farmers and a portion of our culture traditionally were nomads so the farmers made the grew the plants and created the barley and then the the nomads had the animals and created the milk and the butter and the cheese and the meat and so they traded with each other and everybody had a well-rounded diet so but the farmers had this issue that they when they had sons multiple sons they didn't want to divide up the farm because if they cut the land in half between two sons there wouldn't be enough land to support two families and so how do we keep this family together so Historically, I don't know when this happened in their culture, but they developed a matriarchal society where all the brothers in a family would marry one woman. So there's still families today where three brothers or two brothers or four brothers all have the same wife so that the land is. So there's one family. There's one family of, say, two brothers and one wife. And then there's maybe four kids, you know, two girls and two boys. There's four kids all with the same mom and with two dads and so nobody knows really who is their dad and who's not their dad, but it's all of that is to keep the farmland unified so they can support one family on one farm. So, so the, the, the mom becomes the center of that family. She becomes the most important person in the family. She kind of holds the family together. And often it's the women who are saying, let's go to the temple. Let's do Buddhist practices. there." You know, gathering up the kids and taking them to temple on the holidays and doing all of the important stuff where dads are like, eh, I'm going to stay home and one, work or two, drink and not work. So, like, there's a lot of that too. So, yeah, so w- women play a really important role in the culture of keeping families together and often driving religious practices, but men still see themselves as the boss and physically stronger and take advantage. So, like many cultures. I think, around the world
0: jack i'm I'm kind of looking at the time here, and I want to make sure we don't neglect uh before we end to ask you this, and that is if we have people listening here and they think, I really want to pray more specifically or more uh informed for Tibetan Buddhists, what would be a couple of prayer points you'd encourage them to pray about?
2: Yeah, one, i we pray often that people will be discontent, I think. One of the greatest opportunities for the gospel is when somebody's life is disrupted and they realize Buddhism isn't solving their problems. Like that's, those are the moments we look for. Often we we've seen a lot of monks, not a lot. We've seen a few monks come to faith over the years because they've been discontent. They've seen behind the curtain of Buddhism. They've been on the inside of it and they've seen lots of terrible things in monasteries where there's all men together living in in those communities, but they've seen just how Buddhism hasn't answered their deepest problems, their deepest needs. And so they've come out really discontent. They've left the monastery. They've quit Buddhism. They said, I just don't want to follow that. And they've begun searching for something else. And in that journey, they found Christianity. So we we take that and we extrapolate. Let's pray for that discontent moment. Let's pray for them to go and try Buddhism and it fail on them. And then for the then for second prayer request would be for broad gospel proclamation that we want to see the gospel. Penetrate every area of life that when people walk in my my prayer right now is that when people walk into a village in the future, they are no longer confronted with who is Jesus is he the God of this mountain or that mountain, but they're 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 meeting people on the street when they start a gospel conversation, and people go. I think I've heard of something like this, and we're, we're dealing with that with some online tools right now we've got some projects trying to create broad seed sowing gospel proclamation on the Internet right because everybody's got a tiny little screen in their pocket where they can. engage with the with new ideas in the world, how do we get the gospel in the in that moment, and so. I want to see in five years or 10 years or 15 years students going to these places and walking into a village, you know, driving two days to the middle of nowhere, walking into a village and saying the name of Jesus to somebody and somebody going, I think I've heard something about that on my phone. Tell me more. I'm interested. And so just that there would be broad seed sowing, broad gospel proclamation on the backside of every mountain in every village across these places. So discontent, broadseed sowing, and then that there would be more workers going. Like we are always casting vision and proclaiming the need among the churches that we interact with around Asia, because we get to interact with all our churches these days, saying there are still people. And this is the, the, the message for your audience. There are still people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus and the stories and the truths that have changed your life, they've never had opportunity to hear those. And so, and that was the idea that changed my life profoundly was this idea that my light is not very bright, right? So I'm this tiny little birthday candle of of the gospel. And it's not a lot, I don't have a lot to offer and if i keep that light in the united states there are a lot brighter lights on every corner and every church there are bright lights proclaiming the gospel sharing the good news and my light is going to be kind of just one of many and not make a huge impact on the overall light in our culture but if i take my little birthday candle to asia to this dark 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 place it will look really, really bright when all the lights are off. And so, why not take my little light to a place that that can shine brightly? So, I would ask you to pray for more workers in the harvest because there is need, tremendous need, for the gospel to be proclaimed, just from one person's mouth to another person's ears.
0: Yeah. Hey, Amen. You're talking about our passion too, so that that's yeah. really yeah.
1: To hear. We would. We would love nothing more than to have a bunch of people listening to this head your direction.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. James, do you want to uh, close us uh, praying for the work there? And... Yeah, yeah,
1: do I... that.
2: Oh, that, James. Okay. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> uh, Jesus, we're uh, so grateful for our time with Jack this evening and uh, getting to hear what what life is like there and getting to hear about the work that you're doing there. Uh, Lord, we pray for these things. Lord, we pray that you would open their eyes so that they could see. We pray that you would give them a discontent. Um, and Lord, we pray that they they would find themselves thrown against the wall of Buddhism and finding that it doesn't work and that they would um, turn, Lord, and we pray that they would have access to your good news, God, that it would not be um, a foreign thing to them, but that they would have access. We really pray for this uh, digital online stuff that they're doing. We pray that it would grow and that um, you would show them how to target the right people and how to get it into the hands of the people they need and Father, we always pray for more laborers. We pray that you would send them some. And God, we pray that you would sustain the ones that are there. We pray uh, for Jack and his family. We pray that they would um, be able to continue to live in the region of the world that they want to be in. Even, God, that you would give them more opportunities um, to be closer to where they want to be. And we ask that you would glorify your name in their life. And uh pray that in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, Jack, so grateful for your time. It's fun, fun to just on a personal level to to hear from you and, and see you on the screen here. And yeah. uh, I think this will really help our students begin to make the transition to think about Buddhist worldviews. So we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we sure appreciate
0: you. So come come back again. We'll have to have you on another time. Yeah, it good. love it. All right. Well, we'll see the rest of you next time on The One Link Podcast.